Welcome to the Friday Workplace Briefing. Workplace law changes so quickly. Tune in weekly to find out how the law is changing and what you need to do. Hi, Andrew. Good, thanks. How are you? Back from holidays and you're preparing for yours in a couple of weeks. Yes, the countdown on. I know, you go into self-imposed isolation shortly, don't you? Yeah, in a couple of weeks. Very keen. Lucky, lucky. (laughs) All right, well, look, welcome again. Today we've got quite a lot on more than usual and we usually have quite a lot on, but I think the the job summit's probably the beginning place to start with. We'd like to thank the New South Wales government for completely (laughs) frustrating the whole process by threatening to terminate unlawfully an agreement and acting in bad faith, just so termination enterprise agreement could go top of the job summit, where it's about to be ignored because it's irrelevant because the union usually consent to it. Yeah, it's... Sorry, how dumb is that? Difference of 0.5%, right? 0.5% and withdrawing their consent to have safety safety checks on trains that are going to be used. And that would be the smart thing to do, wouldn't it? But, look, some really great stuff. We we didn't think Burke could be moved on the boot test, but now everybody is saying it needs to be simplified and everybody except Tony Burke, <laughs> and that's, I think, because he's probably not the sharpest tool in the shed, realises that it is the thing that's stopping flexibility in the yeah. use of enterprise agreements particularly in small to medium businesses. Some great stuff for women. Yeah, they're really focusing on opening up multi-employer bargaining and with a focus on allowing women to go out and do it and small businesses as well. Yeah. I think they're also opening $180,000, not dollars, <laughs> places in TAFE yeah, next year. <laughs> yeah, it's so expensive. And a real, a real focus on the Commission stepping behind and protecting mental health. Don't know what that's going to look like when you've got an arbiter of power. It's pretty hard to know what that means, but nonetheless, that's looking good. I've got to tell you, this is starting to look a bit real, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, not a talk fest. We're actually seeing people work very hard together before it starts. So we're seeing unions and business and actually un- working together. Yeah, working together. And, and now even rare. the government stopping the rhetoric and getting in. So yeah. we may see some really good stuff that happens. Some new changes to the isolation rules, which is just health advice stuff. If you haven't had symptoms for five days, you are safe to come back to work, so come back to work. Except for high-risk industries such as aged care, disability care, community care, still seven days. Yeah, I should read that, shouldn't I? <laughs> um, <laughs> the other part is you'll see that Dan Andrews and a number of people are now saying, look, the fears about not working, being at work, need to lift, and the evidence is growing that people who are working exclusively from dropping productivity and quality, which is something we spoke about a long time ago, mm-hmm. but it's now being noticed through all the high professional services business. There is a real need to have people at work. Sad about the anti-vaxxers? <laughs> this is probably the funniest bit of news. <laughs> that was 218000 they've been stuck with, massive fine. Because Not was... fine, that's the cost bill. Oh, sorry. No, no you wanted the fine, but there's a cost bill for losing yeah. their, their challenge. Yeah. And specifically because they had the opportunity to withdraw it numerous times and chose not to. Yeah, sad. One of the things that's snuck through and nobody's heard because of the job summit, and it's probably the biggest bit of news we've had, is Full Bench, the Fair Work Commission, have been dealing with shutdowns. Yeah. Shutdowns historically were done with business that needed to plan maintenance over the Christmas break. The maintenance guys worked, all the production workers took two weeks off. It cleaned up the leave so that... Production was able to continue at a higher rate. Not ex- extensively used anymore, but in this... A Christmas shutdowns. Yeah, Christmas. Like most businesses, yeah. yeah. 
But this decision is probably one of the worst decisions that's been published in a long time. <laughs> not to go that far. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not saying it's not technically on the money, but it's policy-driven. It's policy-driven because a number of bums in industries started to use shutdowns as a subterfuge for stand-downs. So in their wisdom, the majority judgment in this case said, no, when you shut down, you've um, it's got to be reasonable. Well, that's okay. Yeah. We always had to be reasonable. And everyone's got to be paid. So annual people are allowed to use their annual leave. Yeah. And for those who don't have annual leave, you have to pay the annual leave probably using up in advance. Don't know that because they're not that clever to tell us what it is. What it does mean is that everyone will put in their annual leave applications. And use it all up. And you'll try and resist it on the basis we've got a shutdown, but that's on a reasonable basis. Uh, you drive, drive this huge cleave between casual labour and permanent labour, and you drive a bigger cleave between those who had annual leave. Yeah, like long-standing employees. employees and those who and don't. And new ones, yeah. And Commissioner Hunt, who obviously had the lights on that day, <laughs> looked around the room and said to these other guys, oh, really clever decision guys, you've just completely stuffed the whole of Australian industry and haven't thought, now, how often do we just say to young solicitors, don't bring us a problem, bring us a solution? We can say the majority have created a problem and walked away from the solution. Yeah, that's exactly it. They yeah. said... There is a solution if awards had clauses allowing for unpaid leave, but they're never going to introduce So that. this was a policy-driven decision about misuse by a number of people in the industry, and we've got a majority making a decision without one moment's thought to the damage it's going to do to Australian industry, both to employers and employees, dumb as you get. But there's a couple of months and then we'll hear the final decision, but yeah, it's not so looking it's flash. Yeah, not looking yeah. flash at all. And I think, yeah, just not looking flash. <laughs> The really big case, and we'll keep up to date with it because it is an enormous case for our for our client base. And it might actually come in before Christmas as well, so it's directly yeah, wouldn't, relevant. Wouldn't that be smart? Yeah. <laughs> as everyone puts in their leave applications <laughs> now. One slavery? Oh, yeah. So interesting change. They're just basically doing a review of it and trying to think whether they needed to lower the threshold to under $100 million. And more importantly, what does due diligence mean? <laughs> yeah, because no one seems to know. Yeah, no, that's great. We've got Andy's slavery policy, but we don't know what we have to think about. <laughs> Very good. That's going to be fixed. Now, for one of the funnier decisions, the $3 million enforceable undertaking. Oh, yes. Which total price of payment will be about $4.12 million. Yeah, because of a a million spent on extra safety measurements. Okay, so this was a hospital incident where a patient who was distressed grabbed a pair of scissors, scratched a few people, and the hospital were then entered into an enforceable undertaking based on breaches of primary duties. I've got to tell you what this smells like, is there's a number of officers who were very scared they were going to get into trouble because yeah. $3 million is not a primary duty breach. No. You would never get a fine that huge. for. But what I can say is there's been some really good ideas about how to prevent it, but the thing I don't understand is... Every day in every hospital in Australia, there are violent incidents which are unpredictable. And you can't stop them. Which this enforceable yeah. undertaking doesn't address. No. So it is a beachhead into hospitals and creating this level of risk. But what it means is that we'll end up having people kept out of hospitals because they're high risk. It's like it's dumb. And the other thing is anyone who enters into an enforceable undertaking of this severity exposes their officers if there's going to be a potential and, further breach. Yeah because the officers are on knowledge of it, which means this hospital has just exposed all its officers to very serious liability. Yeah. So interesting case, dumb, again. It makes no sense. It makes no sense, <laughs> but it does suggest there's a number of very scared people doing anything to escape liability. But have just increased it. But have just increased it. Probably one of our more interesting cases today, which we'll spend a little bit of time on in the problem as well, is um, Transdev, 
which is a case where a company was fined under the anti-discrimination provisions of safety legislation. We've spoken before about Patrick Stevedore's $180,000 fine, maximum $250 for companies, $50 for individuals. This was a $30,000 fine for a perpetual complainant. Yeah. So basically, very common situation, employee made numerous complaints and actually always escalated them to WorkSafe. They weren't serious complaints, genuine safety complaints, but weren't serious and didn't warrant WorkSafe's attention. Transev said, look, enough is enough. We're giving you a first and final warning. We can't Can I just say at that stage, very clever thing to do? <laughs> Not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then got hit with a 30000 fine because the jury said, even though it's clearly in anchor. I think that ain't the jury. We're not in America here. There's not no jury. No, it was a jury case. It was a jury case. Yeah, a jury case. The jury said. They say guilty or not guilty. No, it was. And the judge and jury found that there was no other reason for the warning. So obviously it's discrimination. And look, this takes us back to an early adverse action case, which is Shea and True Energy, whereas a woman made a sexual harassment claim. It was a, it and complained was, about the process and complained about everything. Really. Yeah, and it was found to be a fatuous claim done for a collateral purpose at first instance, which was to secure her job. She was ultimately made redundant, which the full court pretended they was not the reason she was made redundant. It was one of the greatest. All the full court putting the guy over their head <laughs> and say this woman should go. But what they did say about complaints is this: that a genuinely held complaint, no matter how how rubbish it is, no matter how factually incorrect it is policy of beneficial legislation is to protect people being able to raise safety concerns. Yep. And the heart of... Or what, any kind of... Yeah. Complaint, yeah. And, and what Shea and True Energy really said is unless you have objective evidence that someone is running this for a collateral purpose... They're, like they're, being dishonest or yeah, something yeah. like that, yeah. They're, or they're, they've done this because they realise they're in performance management and they've agitated this amongst others. This is the way to stop it. Mm-hmm. Unless you have that clear evidence, you're caught with a presumption the person has a right to agitate genuine complaints. And not many people say, I'm making a complaint, but it's not genuine. No. So you're caught with what the evidence is. So although all of you will have policies that say that it's um, a serious misconduct to raise unfounded allegations, remember that's actually not what the law is. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be dishonestly, okay, or for an ulterior purpose, which is also dishonesty. So, And what makes it serious misconduct is the dishonesty, not yeah. the complaint. What about situations, because I know this is happening to clients everywhere, where you have employees making incessant complaints and it's starting to affect other people, like other Then you employees. need to manipulate the workplace and have controls in place. So, but you, you know, can't do anything against No, the so don't employee. keep complaining, all right? <laughs> So it means you may have to change reporting systems, geographical locations of people. It also means you change the process. So if it was me complaining about you, let's turn it around. <laughs> and I went to four or five different people. The manager would say, look, when you have to raise a complaint, it goes to this person. You're not to go around this lawful and reasonable direction. People who are incessant tyre kickers and problem makers will try and spread yeah. And they'll breach confidentiality in the process. So you impose confidentiality obligations, you impose a structure. They breach that breach of lawful and reasonable direction. Then unrelated to the spurious complaint, you've got a proper method of disciplining. Okay. I want to have just a very quick discussion about two things that have happened in the last day or so. And we are running a bit late today. But we've seen a number of people describe themselves as professionals dump on Are You OK Day. Now, yes, it is not the answer, and, and Are You OK people don't say it is the answer, okay? But it is part of 
lifting a communication and an understanding of the Raising awareness, yeah. yeah. And everybody knows, and from people like me who started their life as a mental health professional, that is the beginning. So I really wish those people would just shut up <laughs> because they're being really unhelpful and they're hurting people. And we've seen this worse again in the young woman who d- died in EY, where no one knows why this young woman died. And yet every well-being professional is just speculating and is making comments. going online and, and self-promoting and credentialing themselves around the loss of someone's life. Now, they really need to shut up. We don't need Forrest Gump professionals going and sticking their heads in so they can be seen when there's tragedy. To that family, look, we're, we're incredibly sorry. And we're sorry for all the people who are those professionals who misbehave. When there's no evidence, you shut up. That's the rule. It's appalling. Okay, that's my serious voice done. I'm going to cover and work cover. Let's jump past that because I don't think that's a really big issue for today. Issuing of a prohibition notice against the ACT government. Yeah, so. Funny. It was very funny. (laughs) Basically, yeah, because they had everyone in the Legislative Assembly, didn't have any proper risk controls. They got reported by one of the members and it got fully shut down. Can't you imagine question time? (laughs) (laughs) Don't you think it's even funnier that the parliamentarians Uh, got so upset they they threatened to bring application? Yeah. Because of separation of powers. Why don't they just behave well? Yeah, just crazy, crazy stuff. Fun. That was a bit of fun for you because we'd like to see parliamentarians behaving pr- properly. That'd be nice. We're going to move on to work- all the time. <laughs> We're going to move on to workplace investigations, which we've reduced time because we've had so much content. Let's start with the beginning parts. Don't investigate when you've got a conflict of interest. In other words, when you're one of the witnesses, or, or whether you have a knowledge control bias. or management in it, yeah. Yeah, or an apprehension of bias. And remember, bias is not actual bias. It's where because of the position you hold there would be a reasonable apprehension you may be biased. Mm. So it's not you persecuting your bias, maybe, very bad, but someone's justified in saying, but how can my manager do this investigation when this is about people under your control? Yeah, you just want to not give them the opportunity to claim bias at all. Yeah. Just make it very clean then they can come back and dispute the outcome. Secondly, an allegation says Andrew did this on this date and describes the behaviour. They're not rolled up. Andrew's always rude. <laughs> he might be. I understand that. That's actually not meant to be fodder for you. An allegation, this goes right back to a Sunshine Coast newspaper case, says you must identify the date as best you can, time if possible, what was the behaviour and the impact of that. That's yeah, an allegation. Give the details behind it. Otherwise they can just say, look, it didn't happen. Nearly every internal allegation we see has rolled up claims. Mm. So they're impressionistic. Yeah. A person can't respond. I can't say I wasn't there on that day. <laughs> There's no alibi basis upon which you can remove yourself from the allegation because it's so all-encompassing you're captured in it. There will be times that it's not possible to give all the details, but you should try to give as much as you can. Yeah. yeah. Remember, evidence is an important thing. <laughs> <laughs> Speculations are not, assumptions are not, impressions are not. So what a person says to the extent it relates to them and their behaviour is relevant. The extent it is an impression of what somebody else does, it's utterly irrelevant. So if Nina says, I feel that Andrew never listens to other people, again, true. But how would Andrew respond to that? How does Andrew respond to it? And on what factual basis does Nina say that? Yeah. So please keep coming back to facts. And also when you're drafting allegations, don't draft them as findings. It should be an allegation that someone can respond to, not... I believe Andrew's already breached this contract. Yeah, so how do they respond so to that? So it usually yeah. starts at 
it is alleged, colon, yeah. A, yeah. that on such and such a day, Andrew spoke to Jenny by saying, I hate you, go away, I want to kill you, <laughs> okay, not Andrew said abusive and threatening language. Yeah. Okay, because they're, they're conclusions, they're not fact. Further, I guess one of the biggest problems is when we look at dishonesty or violence, there is a Brigginshaw test, which means you must have independent evidence, still balance of probabilities of the truth that matters. So it can't be a he said, she said, but obviously with sexual allegations, corroboration and other things. Yeah. So if it was a sexual allegation and it was Fred against Jenny and Jenny immediately went and told her best friend, yeah. that is something which is corroborated for what have occurred. But can I just say, when you're dealing with serious ones, please ring us or ring your lawyers because there's a huge amount of risk and there's defamation risk that sits around it as well. Yeah, that goes on to testing the evidence. Like oftentimes when it is serious allegations, employers will say it's so clear that they did the wrong thing. There's no point in even having them respond to it because I believe they've done it, which is totally wrong, or even just testing anything they say in response. They'll call us and say, oh, yes, he said, oh, someone else saw me somewhere else, so I didn't do it. And they just never think to talk to that person or check the CCTV footage. Which brings us to our next case. Well done, Mulhall. (laughs) Mulhall and direct freight, CCTV. When you rely on any form of evidence, you must show it to someone. Yeah. And that's whether you rely on it outwardly or whether it's something that sits in your mind in decision-making. So, and remember, when you show the CCTV, you must show them all the CTT, CCTV. I'm having trouble with it. Not just the bit where they're stealing, yeah. but the bit before and the bit after, okay? Yeah. Okay. But in this case, they didn't even do that. They showed him nothing. Yeah. And relied on it anyway to say, we're terminating you for stealing, but you can't see this CCTV footage. Sorry. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> and then they said, and then they said, which strangely wasn't believed. <laughs> On the third meeting where they were about to terminate. Which they didn't. Uh, <laughs> Which they didn't on the third one, we were definitely <laughs> going to show it, even though we'd started the discipline process. Now, confidentiality, Nina and I, Hark, on the moment someone raises a complaint, it must be confidential. Your policy must say it's confidential. Otherwise, you run the victimisation issues of having Team Nina and Team Andrew. Mm. Nina walks in the room and all my friends, one of them, <laughs> goes, mm, don't like Nina and pulls the cold face. <laughs> So confidentiality is everything. It also protects the clarity of witness evidence. Yeah. Okay? Now, when someone breaches that, it can have some, obviously that's a breach of a lawful and reasonable direction, so it's misconduct, but it also goes to the very heart of workers' compensation because it creates risk around the character of a person for which it's spoken about. Yeah. So let's talk about Woolworth's case in 10 seconds, don't it? Yeah, so basically... <laughs> Their failure to maintain confidentiality led to a workers' comp claim because it spread amongst the workers that this guy had been stealing, even though it was later found to be unsubstantiated. They had had police search his car in front of all the other workers, let everyone talk about it, and someone came up and said to him, why weren't you fired? Filed a workers' compensation claim. They said there was reasonable management action, but because of his perception that everyone was against him, that was enough. Well, it was reasonable management action to investigate. Well, investigation, yeah, yeah, but there wasn't reasonable management action when it came to not the breach of confidentiality yeah. and therefore the claim was accepted. We've talked about making legal conclusions, but please remember you're not lawyers. And if you are lawyers, by the way, hello. <laughs> but for those who aren't lawyers out there, please don't say this was sexually discriminatory, this was bullying. You don't have to do it. Just make factual findings. The man... Touch this woman in this way. Yeah, it, it just makes it harder for you. If yeah. You're trying to make- the problem is that if you get it wrong, 
then that becomes a challenge and it's an easy challenge to win, particularly around bullying, which is the one we commonly see mm -hmm. for a couple of acts which don't actually as a matter of law amount to the three tests of bullying, which is repetitive acts, unreasonable hurts, hurts yeah. intimidates and humiliates and creates unsafety work. Often it doesn't do one of those elements. So mm -hmm. please keep away from legal conclusions. And just briefly, Alisati and Australian Capital Territory is a hospital case with a cardiologist who people actually alleged was rude and arrogant, and I know all of you will be stunned by that. <laughs> and then they... Seeing as the Victorian numbers in 2009 and two hospitals and the surgical all said they are. Yeah. Anyway, he said he wasn't, and he felt very offended by it and tried to stop the investigation. Yeah, and tried to file for an injunction. And because they did it right, the court went... No. No, 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 So if you do it right, then even with a really well-funded, highly litigious and aggrieved person, you'll be fine. All right, let's go to the case study, which is a substantial case study because I knew Nina was reading it. Don't read along, Andrew. Oh, <laughs> Luke was an accountant clerk. <laughs> he had several administrative functions, but about 40% of his time was spent on debtor collection. Luke was meant to record all conversations with debtors so Kevin, his boss, and the account managers could see how debt collection with each client was proceeding. Over the last five months, Luke often failed to do this. He knew he was failing and could see that although Kevin was a gentleman, he was becoming unhappy with his performance. Luke was starting to worry so much, he had developed insomnia and was not eating properly. Kevin often asked him how he was, but Luke always said fine. On 2nd of August, Kevin told Luke that he had to come to work at least three days a week. Luke ignored the direction, so Kevin sent a very short email directing him to attend work the following Monday. Luke wrote to HR claiming that Kevin was bullying him, specifying he had repeatedly raised issues around the IT system, which Kevin had ignored, and he suffered from a mental health condition and was unable to come to work, but Kevin still insisted. Luke had not produced a medical certificate, and although he had spoken about the IT system, it was in response to Kevin asking why he failed to keep it up to date. Luke had said it was difficult to use, so Kevin offered further training, but noted up until five months before he had used it perfectly. Luke said, no worries, and let it go. Carmela from HR started an investigation. She took what Luke had said as an allegations letter and gave it to Kevin. Kevin was shocked. I'll give you a tip. Carmela's not doing so well at this stage. <laughs> and explained that he knew Luke was completely competent on the system but had just dropped the ball. He'd insisted Luke return to work as he was concerned about his mental health and found it hard to get a read on his health over teens. And he thought Luke was raising these issues because he knew his job was in jeopardy. Carmela checked with others who confirmed that Luke was competent on the system and, despite Kevin's best efforts, had started to fail to do what was required. When Carmela spoke to Luke, he admitted he was competent with the system but said he was struggling and feared if he couldn't get it right, he would be fired. Carmela recommended Candy, the head of operations, summarily terminated Luke for intentionally raising a false complaint against Kevin with the ulterior motive of stopping performance management. Candy followed the correct process and terminated Luke. Ooh. Now you can have a breath. I know. That was a long one. I know. You did that on purpose. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I did, actually. It was fun. <laughs> but I did take out some of the difficult names I started with, oh, but I didn't think that would have been gosh. a thing. The cruelty you have when you're on a plane writing a case study. I am, yeah, with a mask on for three and a half hours. Uh, did they get rid of masks? Not on planes, no. No, no, they did. They announced it. Oh, I must have been yesterday with the National Cabinet oh, announced it. So yeah. we don't have to wear it? Well, we did yesterday. Weird, because, yeah, National Cabinet announced it. Oh, well, on the plane. Late, we last night, Wednesday. Yeah, but we were flying. Yeah, we were, we were flying. They didn't say in half an hour you can take a mask off. No, we were, we were flying before they announced oh, it. Oh, 
Yeah, so domestic planes, you don't have to. You're still just on public transport. Okay, Nina, was Luke unfairly dismissed? Oh, yeah, unquestionably. Uh, ah, that's yeah. not what you said before. No, I was saying he was. They had a correct process, but there was no valid reason. Well, no, they could have been. They could have been. Uh, this is what I said. In my, I remember, valid reason that. test is, was there the evidence that sat there that could possibly perform a base of terminate? So I agree with you. I don't think there was, but there are some commissioners who would find there was. And there's some we commissioners know which that, ones. Yeah, some commissioners <laughs> that find the moon is the sun. But anyway, <laughs> what it unquestionably isn't is just because the evidence doesn't support it. And uh-huh. the evidence doesn't support it because you've clearly got a guy here who's moving towards mental health issues. And has admitted that he has mental health issues. Yeah. So we're close to a Burke and Sun Corp with Kevin, aren't we? Because Kevin starting to form based on reasonable information of observations that there's something going on that's wrong. And that's why yeah. I directed him to come back to work. So yeah. that's really interesting, bleeds into the second question is, would Luke have an arguable general protections claim? Let me ask you this. If he didn't disclose he had a mental health claim, would he have a general protections claim? Because the fact that he did disclose it is a lay-down misere that he's got a general protections claim. But if he didn't, there's almost enough evidence there, isn't there? Because Kevin's on notice there's something wrong under his safety obligations and monitoring health. He's trying to do something about it. And Carmella comes in heavy-handed at the end and knocks him on the head when Kevin's saying, but I'm concerned about it. So I think even without the disclosure, there's a good adverse action claim there. Yeah, it'd be difficult, but I think he could make it, yeah. Yeah. Now, read this question carefully. Yeah, this one we, we did debate over. We did, but, yeah. and, you know, you and I don't debate over much. Look, Kevin's treatment of Luke, I don't think it breached the company's safety obligations because everything he did up till knowing that Luke had an issue was really trying to look out for him. You know, he said, are you okay? Asked if he needed more training, encouraged him to come back so that he could monitor. So to go through that really reason, reasonable practicability, yeah. did think there was a hazard, wasn't quite sure, yeah. was trying to work was out what the risk yeah. yeah. wanted to know what the risk was immediately started to institute controls oh, to assist yeah. around the baseline of it. And adapted the controls as needed as and well. And then said, no, look, you got to come in so we can yeah. actually get a proper read. So that meant that Kevin was monitoring his health, mm-hmm. tick, yep. providing a safe working environment, tick, mm. complying with primary duties. Yeah. Okay, so no, but... The others. The others. Carmella gee, and Candy. Yeah, Carmella and Candy. Not, gosh. Toys right out of the cot. Crazy stuff, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know, like they definitely discriminated on based on his mental, mental health. health. Yeah. So they knowingly did so too. Yeah. So that's the transdev argument, you know, mm. really clear. So they, that's a criminal prosecution. Yeah. And clearly a breach of primary duties, clearly a breach of general protections, discrimination law, a whole lot of things. So yep. Candy and Carmella. <laughs> Would Luke have a valid workers' compensation claim arising from the investigation? Now, this is. I'll answer this because it's a dirty question. Yeah, it is. Okay. (laughs) The answer is absolutely yes. One, the investigation failed to properly particularise and identify the nature of the allegations and therefore only investigated generic issues and not surprisingly found they weren't true. How could you find they weren't true? Okay. Because you didn't have on this day, I raised this and this is what Kevin said. You were dealing with generics, so the investigation was flawed. But worse still, from an investigation that was arose out of allegations made by Luke, he gets terminated. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets terminated because of his conduct, not his dishonesty in the end of the day. Therefore, 
he never had any proper process in relation to the investigation of what was driving his behaviours. Because if what they say is, well, look, it was an ulterior purpose, which is, well, where's the investigation? Where's the evidence yeah, of that? There's no reasonable management action. So, so what you've done is have... you've set up an investigation to kill Luke from Luke's complaint. So unquestionably workers' complaint, and can I say in relation to the investigation, it's the very thing that Leighton and CFME you were talking about, which is... Investigation for an improper purpose. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So remember, a lot of times people say, well, let's investigate and do this guy over. <laughs> You start off with that basis, you're in a lot of trouble. And when we talk about trouble, you're in penalties trouble, yeah. not just damages. Significant penalties on yeah. that, yeah. All right, look, we're doing pretty well. We've brought that home. <laughs> that with, so with, much with seven or eight seconds. I'm sorry it was such a big day, but so yeah. much happened. Yeah. Lovely to see you all again. Job Summit next week. Can you start showing us your thumbs up? Yeah, show clapping. us your reaction. Even a bit of love would be good because I'm just back from holidays. <laughs> and we'll see you soon. Thanks Bye. very much, Lana. Cheers. Bye-bye.